This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Intel's vision for AI and exascale. Kookaburra sits in IBM's quantum tree. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell, joined again by Tiffany Trader. Tiffany, This Week in HPC, we're going to start by breaking down some of the announcements from Intel's Vision event. And let's start with a couple more details that came out about Aurora and Intel's path to Exascale. Yes, yeah, so um, it's officially been announced that installation has begun on the Aurora supercomputer, the Intel HPE supercomputer, HPE Cray supercomputer that's going into the Argonne lab. Uh, that was revealed during the Intel Vision event keynote last week with Rick Stevens, who's the associate director of Argonne lab, uh, confirming that the Aurora build is underway um, and projected to deliver more than two exaflops of peak computing when it's fully deployed, which they had already, Intel and um, Argonne had revealed that uh, late last year, the, the new, the new, the new um, peak target on there. Some updated specs were also affirmed. There are racks for uh, more than 10,000 blades uh, with 60,000 plus Quanta Vecchio GPUs and 20,000 plus Sapphire Rapids CPUs, uh, Stevens said at the event. Uh, and each of these blades, as we've as, we, as we've talked about before on the, the podcast, has six Pontevecchio XE GPUs and two Sapphire Rapids Xeon CPUs on them. Um, and some photos of this uh, active installation were shared by Intel and Aurora. They they didn't say exactly when the install would be done or when the system was expected to be deployed. Uh, but they did say that Aurora is open for reservations for uh, economic and industrial research for researchers uh, pursuing big breakthroughs in science and engineering. Yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack in this announcement, although they're not saying, all right, here's exactly where it is in the installation or where it's going to be available. The fact that installation is underway is exciting. And, and you know, we can see some of the details of that coming forward. It seemed if we parse the uh, the actual announcement. There was some traffic about this on Twitter as well. The, what they were saying was the racks are there, some of the storage infrastructure is there. What they're waiting for is the compute nodes, although that's an inference made by some of what Rick was saying. And before we get too excited, uh, at supercomputing in November last year, we were excited about the Frontier supercomputer installation being underway. So these installations can be underway for some time. Now that said, uh, this still has a chance of coming online by the end of this year. And that means if Frontier isn't deployed at Oak Ridge National Labs, by the time we get to the top 500 list uh, in the next couple of weeks heading into ISC, that really there's a chance that Frontier and Aurora could hit together with Aurora as being the larger supercomputer. So it's it's still interesting in terms of the U.S. exascale race right now in terms of where the different supercomputers are and, and w- which ones we'll see when. Yeah, and they're both on track for... A- Roughly um, similar peak performance numbers uh, with, you know, as we said, um, Argonne saying more than two peak exaflops and Oak Ridge has said they anticipate a full two exaflops peak. Uh, They had said previously in March that they expect 
that system, that's a HPA AMD system. They said that they expect that to be ready for early science in July of this year. Um, we, you and I, and a lot of other people have been wondering if, if um, Frontier will make it onto this next top 500 list that's coming up. It's usually in June. It's just a little bit early this year. So it's going to be one of the last days of May rather than June. Um, coming a little bit early, but you know they did uh, run a bioinformatics code on the system in March, and they they said they were able to run it on a little over three thousand nodes of the nine thousand node system. So that's about a third of the system. And in order to surpass the current number one system, Fugaku, you know they would only need to get about a third of the system up, and they could possibly get to one exaflops limpack with two-thirds of the system. So my point is that they don't have to get the entire system up and running uh, Limpact to make it. So, you know, we'll see what the what the what the, what they do. It's only a couple more weeks. We'll find out. We'll see. And I've been conjecturing so long that I almost don't even want to guess again. I'm going to hold my breath for another two weeks and find out. Monday, May 30th at ISC is when they will make that announcement right after a special tribute to Jack Dungara. And we'll be back for more ISC preview on an upcoming episode of This Week in HPC. I like that Tiffany, you were talking about that peak performance of Aurora. One last thing I'll get in is there is a a bit of a a wisecrack potentially made by Rick Stevens, whether it was scripted or not, uh, in response to two exaflops peak on uh, Aurora, in which he said, well, we've got to get to one first. And and I appreciate that. And I don't want to over parse that. But but it is interesting. Here we are. We still don't have the uh, exascale, any exascale system on the top 500 list yet, although we've got two in China that have been widely reported to have surpassed that barrier, still waiting for the first in the U.S. and the first to be public. Now, there were a lot more uh, announcements beyond that uh, by Intel at this Vision event, um, including of note for HPC, uh, an IPU that's out on the roadmap. Yes, so several several new IPUs out on Intel's roadmap. That is uh, short for infrastructure processing units. The first one Intel developed uh, in collaboration with Google, and that one's called Mount Evans. They said that will ship this year to Google and other service providers. That one's based on ARM, Neoverse, and one cores and hits um, 200 gigabits per second. So the new ones that they've announced are second generation FPGA based 200 gigabits per second uh, IPU called Oak Springs Canyon that's built on the Xeon D server chip as well as the Agilex um, FPGA. And that is, like I said, that's also 200 gigabits per second. Then the next generation, and that one, the Oak Springs Canyon is expected to start shipping this year to select service providers with wider deployment next year. Then there's next generation 400 gigabits per second parts after that. There's an ASIC IPU codenamed Mount Morgan. That's expected to ship in next year, so 2023 or 2024. And then there's also an FPGA-based IPU, um, Hot Springs Canyon. That's next year uh, starting to start and then wider deployments in 2024. Those were just four, those are 400, the 400 gigabits per second parts. And they also have lastly an 800 gigabit per second part, um, not, not as yet, not named uh, or not disclosed. Um, that is expected to ship 2025, 2026. 
you know, these Intel IPUs, it's really a, a new category, but not entirely new. It's analogous to the DPUs or data processing units by NVIDIA that are part of the Mellanox roadmap that NVIDIA acquired. Um, whether you call it a DPU or an IPU, it's an evolution of a smart NIC that starts building more processing into the network and components of a high-performance computing system. And these are of increasing importance because they can really reduce the amount of um, travel that a piece of data needs to do before it can be computed on. You can move that computation closer to where the data lives, in the case of some AI, closer to the edge where data is generated uh, and ultimately reduce a fair bit of network traffic. Now, it's difficult to take some large supercomputing applications and decompose them in a way that will take advantage of a DPU or an IPU, but there are a lot of areas in analytics or AI where it's certainly natural, and it's not impossible in some HPC areas either. So I think we're going to be seeing more uh, IPUs or DPUs DPUs or smart NICs as you like going forward in HPC. Uh, Intel had more announcements having to do with HP with AI in particular, excuse me, not HPC. Intel had more announcements having to do with AI in particular coming out of the Vision event. Uh, and that was uh, some new processing having to do with AI. Yeah, so this is the continuation of the Habana Labs roadmap. That is the company that Intel bought, the Israeli company that Intel bought in December 2019 for $2 billion. They started with the Gaudi training chip and the Goya inference chip. And now they are announcing the, the second generation Gaudi, which is Gaudi 2. And they went with a different naming convention uh, for the new Goya that is called Greco. So now on the roadmap, our Gaudi 2 is the training one and Greco is the inference one. Both of these chips have made the leap from 16 nanometer to 7 nanometer, that is on the, the TSMC process node. And for Gaudi 2, uh, the 10 processor cores were in the first gen, have now gone to 24, and the in-package memory has tripled, going from 32 gigabytes um, HBM2 to a very high uh, 96 gigabytes HBM2E, and the onboard SRAM has doubled from 24 megabytes to 48 megabytes, uh, and Intel slash Intel Havana Havana Labs they showed some strong benchmarking comparisons, uh, including against Nvidia A100 GPU, but I I don't think the H100 the new, the new hopper was out yet, um, so there were no no comparisons yet with with that one. Uh, and then they also put out some specs for Greco. They boosted the a memory card from DDR4 to LPDDR5. It's 5x the bandwidth. And they increased on-chip memory from 50 megabytes to 128 megabytes. They also changed the form factor. Uh, they went from a dual slot to a single slot form factor. And that, of course, is going to drop the TDP, in this case, significantly from 200 watts down to 75 watts. And they said that will allow customers to double the number of accelerators within the same host system. Yeah, I think these are very important announcements from Intel, and I'm looking forward to seeing how well they do in the market. And that's really regardless of 
uh, the uh, tech comparisons against the latest NVIDIA's with Hopper. Uh, obviously, that's going to be an important technical comparison. But as uh, Oliver points out, Oliver Peckham points out in his article on HPC Wire, this is a very crowded space. And Intel and NVIDIA have substantial leg up on a lot of smaller competitors in that they're also the leaders of a lot of software, uh, middleware, developer tools that goes along with these processors in an HPC environment. And AI being still a developing space, to be able to get a complete system from Intel that includes CPUs, that includes training, that includes inference, and includes a raft of software on top of that, I think we're going to see uh, a good uptick in the market. Uh, just be able to have a, an all Intel environment. And then if they stack up well on the technical side as well and have a, a technical advantage, that's going to be uh, a, really a great solution from Intel. Now, the, the Gaudi 2 is more HPC oriented, uh, being related to training. The inference chips, that's almost a separate market. And it depends how far out you go into the edge with inference. Are you getting into smart devices or, or embedded systems? There's a very broad inference inference market that's not really the the tightly coupled computing market. But we could see these Greco 2 training processors finding their way into hybrid HPC and AI environments. And it's really a different market focused on AI than than the GPUs have been in, which get also into the uh, HPC computation acceleration space. And even with NVIDIA and Hopper, we're seeing more of a fragmentation now of this is for AI and this is for HPC. I'm hoping we we see the Ponte Vecchios of the world still delivering the maximum they can in 64-bit computation because there are HPC uh, uh, applications that will need that regardless of AI. So uh, I, I guess in summary, come back to my first statement that this really tricks out Intel's whole complete roadmap of accelerators for HPC and AI. Yeah, I'm glad you addressed that because uh, increasingly there are uh, there is a growing roadmap here, and there are overlapping capabilities with uh, the growing number of AI devices on on Intel's roadmap. So, between Gaudi and well, Gaudi, Greco, the Xeons increasingly have AI capabilities. The XE GPUs, which we were just mentioning with Aurora, and then their their FPGAs as well. So, uh, I think you think you um, you explained you know some of that how you see some of that fitting, uh, but I think Intel will need to continue to work on making that narrative as clear as possible. Now, also this week in HPC, we'll spend a couple minutes on another set of announcements today that came out of IBM together with their own event. Uh, now, they've been focused in the supercomputing space primarily on quantum computing, and they outlined a couple of things on their roadmap. They all have different bird names. One of the most fun, of course, that's further out there is Kookaburra, but the, uh, the announcements went beyond that. How about you take us through those? Yeah, we like fun names on this podcast, so we, we couldn't pass up the opportunity to uh, to talk about the Kookaburra um, and uh, and Intel's and and IBM's and IBM's new quantum uh, roadmap that they're extending out to uh, the 2026 horizon. And this is this coincided with the company's Think event in in Boston, which took place recently. So this uh, this is a new 1,386 qubit processor, uh, the Kookaburra. It's uh, built from uh, modularly scaled chips, um, and IBM plans to put three of these together to create a uh, 4,158 qubit 
proof of concept system by 2025. Uh, Kookaburra is the name of the Australian kingfisher, by, by the way. Um, IBM says that the uh, architecture will uh, leverage three pillars, uh, the, their quantum hardware, um, the quantum software, and uh, also a global ecosystem of the, the, the community, the organizations and, and the communities naturally. Um, and if you look at their uh, if you look at their roadmap slide, which is shown in the HPC article, H shown in the HPC Wire article by John Russell, you can see their processor lineup stretching back from 2019 with Falcon, and then it goes uh, all the bird names as you were saying: Falcon, the hummingbird, eagle, osprey, condor. There's a heron that's been added. There's flamingo, and then a crossbill, kookaburra in 2025 and then there's a there's a beyond placeholder after that uh which the text says uh scaling scaling to 10,000 to 100,000 qubits uh with classical classical and quantum communication yeah john does a nice job with this write up including some excerpts from jay gambetta who's one of the ibm fellows and a vice president of quantum computing at, at IBM. And I think some of the most important is how these different processors start getting put together. They describe a knitting process that pulls together the quantum processing CPUs and GPUs, whether they're woven or knitted depends on your proclivity for the fiber arts. But uh, I, I think that architecture is interesting. And of course, there's an emphasis on what's the quantum software uh, and services that start bringing this together. One of the strengths, I think, of IBM's approach to quantum has been allowing people to get access to the hardware, software, and services through a cloud or utility-based model. I think this is an excellent uh, deployment of cloud computing because here's something you're not going to be using all the time at this point, but if there's a technology I can get access to through IBM Q and, and start spinning it up, not the that all of these are available right away today, but but gaining some experience with IBM through cloud, I, I think has uh, given them some momentum. And IBM has had a very exciting roadmap for quantum computing. I'm a little frustrated that we don't hear more from IBM about traditional supercomputing in the meantime. Uh, they're way out in front on, on quantum. Uh, and uh, this, this announcement stands on its own for now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned both of those things. Um, and we should just underscore that IBM does make these these processors that it's these quantum processors that it's developing available in the cloud. It's also been innovating, implementing some quantum benchmarks as well. Uh, they announced that they will raise their quantum volume score from 256 to 1024 this year. Um, quantum volume that's a a measure of the largest square circuit of random two qubit gates that a processor can successfully run. Um, they also said they're going to increase their highest CLOPS, C-L-O-P-S, that is a circuit layer operations per second, so not FLOPS, but CLOPS, and they said they were going to increase that from 2.9, uh, 29,000 to, sorry, from 2.9,000 to 10,000, and we have seen other companies, for example, Quantinuum, have also started adopting uh, the term quantum volume. So Addison, I think you've mentioned before that IBM helped popularize the term FLOPS. So we'll have to see if CLOPS uh, catches on. 
Yeah, I don't know that Klops will catch on, but I would have said the same thing about Flops a long time ago. And uh, and IBM was very successful in getting uh, adoption of that term. So we'll see how the future of quantum computing looks. And it's a subject we'll continue to track at Intersect 360 Research. Our listeners, as always, can get details on more of these stories on HPC Wire. Tiffany, thanks for joining me. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.